Every little thing you think that you need. Every little thing you think that you need. Every little thing that's just feeding your greed. Oh, I bet that you'd be fine without it. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Minimalists Podcast, where we discuss what it means to live a meaningful life with less. My name is Joshua Fields Milburn, and what you're about to hear is a live version of our podcast, which Ryan and I recorded in our beautiful hometown, Dayton, Ohio. Now, this was a very special event for us because, well, we, we were able to fill up the same theater, my, my favorite theater in the world, actually, the Neon Theater in downtown Dayton. It's the, the same theater that I used to live two blocks from, well, until we moved out to Montana, actually. Now, as most of you know, Ryan and I have been taking a bit of a pseudo break from podcasting. Personally, I've been resting a lot and working on my health, which I talked about in episode number 30, which is titled Away. And Ryan has been overseas visiting all of Europe with his partner, Mariah. Uh, Thankfully, during this break, we were able to publish semi-regular versions of our podcast, which we recorded on the road during our minimalism documentary tour this summer. We visited 15 cities during that tour, and including the Dayton podcast you're about to hear, we have published six of those live episodes. And this Dayton podcast is likely the last episode we'll publish from that tour because the other nine cities yielded either poor audio quality, which was our fault, or sometimes there were issues at particular theaters, or some of the other ones had just had really similar answers because the questions were identical. And that's great. We're all asking similar questions. And so the, the, the problem with that is we're not going to publish duplicate episodes into, into our stream Uh, which means that this will be our last podcast episode for about the next month, which makes October the perfect month for you to go back and catch up on these past 35 podcast episodes from the Minimalists podcast. But don't worry, I I do have good news for you. Ryan and I, and of course our fearless producer, Sean, we will be back uh, next month in November with brand new in-studio podcasts, including timely episodes on gift-giving, holiday minimalism, mental focus, and much, much more. So make sure you subscribe on iTunes or wherever the heck you get your podcasts so you don't miss any of those forthcoming episodes. Uh, But first, before the live Dayton podcast, I have three exciting updates for you. Number one, minimalism all over. After an outstanding theatrical run as the number one indie documentary of 2016, Minimalism, a documentary about the important things, is finally available digitally on iTunes and Amazon and Google Play, as well as on on Vimeo and also even on DVD. So you can check out the trailer to the film and find links to all of those platforms over at minimalismfilm.com. And if you enjoy the film, we really hope that you'll be willing to leave a review on whatever platform that you buy it on. Uh, those reviews really help us out. Uh, they help us reach more people because it shows up in, in those algorithms. And, and then, of course, the film gets recommended to more people and they get exposed to this concept of minimalism. All right, update number two, the last writing workshop of 2016. Well, if you want to improve your writing, whether it's business emails or blogging or maybe you want to write your first book, I'd like to help. I'm hosting this year's final How to Write Better one-day online workshop, which is basically just a stripped-down version of my four-week class. 
I'm hosting that in just a few weeks. The workshop is live, but it's also recorded. So uh, don't worry if you can't attend the, the live class because you'll still be able to watch the workshop at your convenience and rewatch it at your convenience and also have access to all of the links and resources from that workshop. You can find all the details to that workshop and my writing class over at howtowritebetter.org. Oh, and uh, FYI, seats are limited for that one-day workshop, so you can still get in, though. There are, are still seats left. Number three, a final update for you, a Florida meetup. I'm going to be back in Florida in October, and so if you're nearby, I would love to see you at our, our free meetup on Tuesday, October 11th at 7 p.m. As uh, many of you know, uh, Ryan and I began 2016 this year by opening a well-curated coffee house and community gathering space called Bandit Coffee Co. with, with a few of our friends down in St. Petersburg, Florida. Uh, by the way, if you'd like to see a, a photo tour of that coffee shop, you can just go to theminimalists.com slash coffeehouse. We'll also put that in, in the show notes for you. Anyway, uh, much has happened since we opened that shop at the beginning of this year. Uh, the theatrical release of our documentary, a uh, sold-out North American tour, a handful of charity events, which have been great, the online release of our documentary, which just happened, and, of course, our, our keynote talk. Uh, over at TEDx Fargo. You can find that on our YouTube channel. And so it feels right to sort of bookend this year, this beautiful, beautiful year it has been, with a casual meetup at the same coffee shop that kicked off the year. So my final public appearance of, of 2016 is going to be happening this month at Bandit Coffee. You can join me and the folks from the local minimalist.org meetup group for a free meetup. Again, that date is Tuesday, October 11th at 7 p.m. Eastern. I, I will give a, a brief talk personally. I'll answer your questions, of course, dish out hugs, and even make time for a, a group discussion. You can RSVP for this event, which is free. But you can find the RSVP links over at theminimalists.com slash Florida. Just a heads up on this one, space to that one is limited. It's a big shop, but it's not that big that we can fit hundreds of people in there. So you'll want to get there early. And uh, if Ryan is in town, which he might be, then he'll be at the event too. Okay, those are all the updates for now. I hope you enjoy this version of the Minimalist podcast in my favorite city in the world, the birthplace of aviation. 100-spoke gold rims, and, of course, the minimalists. My hometown, Dayton, Ohio. And stay tuned after the podcast for some minimalism tips from our listeners. And if you have a minimalism tip or if you have a question, especially if you have a question about gift-giving or the holiday season, then give us a call at 406-219-7839. We'll see you soon. Until next time, take it simple. Well, hello, everybody. Welcome to the Minimalist Podcast, live edition from Dayton, Ohio. My name is Joshua Fields Milburn. And I'm Ryan Nicodemus. And that makes us the Minimalists, and we're here to answer your questions today. We're going to start off, I, I don't know how much time we have, so we're going to start with three questions, the first three people who ever want to come up and, and ask your question on this microphone. We'll be happy to answer them. Uh, the good news is uh, my favorite pedagogical technique is if I don't have an answer to your question, I will just ask a, or I'll answer a different question. So you can ask whatever you want. Just say your name and whatever your question is. Hello, I'm Wayne from Grand Rapids, Michigan. I'm at a 
down somewhere and focus on that one place? Easy question. It sounds like you're passionate about traveling, though, right? Maybe. Or okay. Maybe I don't know where I want to live. Ah, okay. Yeah. Yeah, Dayton's a great place to live. I lived here the first 31 years of my life, uh, or within the area at least. Um, yeah, it's uh, it's really going to be very self-specific for you where, where you want to live. I could tell you the reason Ryan and I moved out to Montana when we, we first, uh, so we were living here, and and we had been on our first book tour. We went to 33 cities over the course of like a year, and at the very end, we we were driving back to Dayton from Vancouver, B.C., and we knew we had to drive through this long state called Montana, and we were kind of dreading it because we were just excited to get back home, and get back into the to the routine of, of what we had established. And you know what? It was the most beautiful place I'd ever been. And like we just knew like driving through there, hey, we've got to come back out here, at least for something. So we decided to move out there for four months to write a book, a book called Everything That Remains. And we found ourselves gravitating toward this. So we were living in a cabin on the side of a mountain when we did that in the middle of Montana winter, which you wake up and it's like negative 28 degrees outside and chopping firewood when it's that cold is just as fun as it sounds. And we decided to move to Missoula after that because we found ourselves gravitating toward it. And, and it was, it's kind of like Yellow Springs, but in a bunch of mountains and a little bit bigger. And, uh, it was just, it was a great community, a lot of culture per capita. And I think ultimately you have to ask yourself, what are my values? And, and Ryan and I wrote about this in our first book, uh, a book called Minimalism, Live a Meaningful Life. We know it starts with the stuff, getting the stuff out of the way, but that's not the end game. That's simply the first step. And so by getting rid of the excess stuff, it allowed us to identify, well, what's actually important in my life? And the five areas that we came up with were health, relationships, passion, growth, contribution. And... The, the place where I live needs to allow me to, to serve all of those needs. And here's the thing, that will change over time and having access to certain things will change over time. In fact, I think one of the best places to be a, a minimalist is often in a bigger city. We don't live in a big city uh, now, especially, but having access to what you value most. And so I think you're gonna have to identify ultimately, what are my values and can I find can I serve those values in Grand Rapids or in Dayton, Ohio, or in Missoula, Montana, or Los Angeles, and, and, and sort of work from there? Yeah, I think the good news is, is you don't have to choose indefinitely, right? I mean, I, I would certainly encourage you to explore more. If you haven't found that place that like makes your heart feel that way, like, man, I got to come back to this place, then keep exploring, man. Um, I can tell you, for me, uh, when we started traveling, uh, when, when we did that, that tour, like every city we went to, we go to Chicago and I'm like, oh my God, I want to move to Chicago. And then we go to like Portland. I'm like, oh my God, I want to move to Portland. And then San Francisco, like, oh my God, I want to move to San Francisco. And, uh, and, and I felt that, that way about a lot of places. Um, but, but coming through Missoula and uh, the way that I just felt how the community was, it just felt like a community that was very rich in culture. Um, and just to give you an idea of how rich it is in culture, I was there um, when we, so we moved from the, cabin in the middle of nowhere to Missoula. And I was, when we were in Missoula for no less than two weeks, I had like somehow accidentally landed this like main role in this play. 
just from kind of <laughs> just from kind of uh, meeting other people. And I'm like, this is the only stinking city where something like that could happen. <laughs> Never acted a day in my life, and uh, and here I am, like leading this play. So um, that that's what made me do it. I'll tell you too, like. Um, the only other place I felt as, as, as awesome as uh, that was awesome as Missoula was was Maui, and like I never like had the the uh, uh, expectation to move there or you know to spend the rest of my days there. But I do remember how Maui made me feel when I was lucky enough to go there several several years ago, and uh, and yeah, that's kind of the feeling that I look for, man. That's what really drew me back to Missoula. So I would encourage you to keep looking and um, and commit to something eventually. If that's if you want to settle down, you know, commit. Uh, uh, try it out, and it sounds like you you live a, a life that allows you to kind of be that that uh, peripatetic person, and uh, you can you can absolutely move on if if it doesn't work out for you, man. Yeah, and you can always come back too. I can tell you every time I come back to Dayton, like I, I want to move back immediately. Uh, I, I had lunch at Thai Nine today. I had coffee over at Press. I used to live two blocks from from this theater. And it's one of my favorite theaters, if not my favorite theater in, in the country. And I used to always come here and watch matinees and stuff. And it's just, it's a great community here. And so I, mean, I think that's a nice thing. You make a decision. It's not a permanent decision. You do want to commit to it. You want to find a community and bed yourself in that. But you can also move on. You can also graduate onto something else. And it's not like I, I got divorced from Dayton. I just graduated from it. And you can always go back at some point. Thanks, guys. Uh, I traveled to get here, and my buddy and I couldn't find an Airbnb, so if anyone wants to host us, that'd be great. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> I bet you'll find someone out there. <laughs> Thanks, brother. Howdy. Hi, uh, my name is Emmanuel. I'm from Dayton, and I'd like to congratulate you on the beautiful film that Thank you guys you. produced. Thank you very much. Uh, the question I have, have you guys considered uh, targeting, uh, an edu not targeting, educating the younger people? Yeah, um, it's, <laughs> it's funny you mentioned that. Uh, in DC, um, there was this like little eight-year-old girl who went up to Sean afterwards, and she's like, "Can you please ask Ryan to write a children's book on minimalism?" <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I, yeah, I think it's a great idea. I I would love to uh, go around to uh, schools and speak, or high schools even. Um, but yeah, certainly, you know, I hate to like use the cliche of like the children are our future, but they certainly are, man. And uh, I do think that this is a very important lesson for. Uh, people to start learning at, at the youngest, you know, as young as they can kind of grasp it. Um, certainly, I am uh, open to ideas that you have on how to make minimalism appealing to kids. Um, I have been, like, kind of outlining some stories that I think might resonate with children. Um, but, you know, it's... it's uh, I know that if I was five years old and someone was telling me, like, get rid of your stuff, like, I, I don't know how well I would grasp onto that at five years old. Um, but uh, certainly, if there's a way... Uh, that we can do that, we will certainly do that. I mean, we do a lot of speaking stuff now, and Josh and I, we are very deliberate with our time. So uh, we, we, we choose one big project uh, pretty much every year. So, you know, this year it was, uh, this year and last year actually was a documentary. 2014 was our 100 city tour. So we don't, we don't get our plates too full of stuff, so, you know, we don't want to dilute all of our efforts. Uh, we, we try to avoid that as much as possible. Um, if I do decide to do that, I mean, that is something that it would be something we would have to commit to for that entire year. And right now we are just focused on kind of getting this out, getting this message out uh, the, the best way we can and using any vehicle necessary. I mean, for the longest time, uh, we were just writing essays and writing books. Well, I saw a study you know, a year or two ago that said 49% of males don't read in the United States. Don't read books. Don't read books, sorry. I, 
it's half the males aren't illiterate. Right. They just <laughs> Thank you for clarifying. Yeah. So, so yeah, it's, it's really awesome that we can make a documentary now. I mean, I can't tell you how many people um, have either, you know, found us through someone recommending, like, oh, go see that documentary. So this is, like, their first introduction to this whole concept. Or um, we started that podcast uh, back in December. And, uh, and yeah, pe- people found us through that medium as well. Um, I think uh, it was the Chicago, Chicago Tribune who called this. They were like, man, this is a really cool multimedia project you guys have going on. And that's kind of how I look at it right now. It's like we are going to continue to use as many vehicles as possible to get this out there, to, to continue to build on this foundation that we already have. But my mind is absolutely in line with what you're talking about for sure. I agree. And I'm really encouraged by the, the number of kids who are starting to show up at our events. And especially in, in, in 2014 uh, in Omaha, we had a 13-year-old kid. His name was Ethan. And I'm talking to him and his mom afterward. And and. I was like, hey, did your mom drag you out here? Was it okay? And he's, he's like, no, I brought her. <laughs> and, and what I've learned is that it's great that we can educate the kids and we should work on that because that's the ideal time to instill the proper values and help people uncover what their, their values are. But, but also, you know, we can be educated by, by our kids as well. And, and sort of relearn the appropriate behaviors and relearn creativity, creativity and, and imagination. And we can learn from, from them, I think, just as much as, as they can learn from us. And so at our events, we're seeing a lot of, a lot of high school and college kids show up. We're, we're seeing also we had a 92-year-old great-grandmother show up in, in San Diego. Actually, she, she was in the film um, in one of the hugging lines. And... Uh, so, so you're kind of seeing everything in between, but I would love to find a great, effective way to communicate to a, a, the masses of, of children because I think it's important. Thank you. Thank you. Hey there. Hi, guys. You guys know who I am, Travis Everly. Yes, this is uh, one of our former coworkers. Um, he's he's like one of one of the few people who like you know stuck around and supported us. Uh, there there's there's a, a quite a few of them I should say, but but yeah. I, so thanks for sticking Absolutely. sticking through this with us, man. Absolutely. So I've seen your uh, your journey over the last eight to ten years, from you know the the corporate tower to you guys growing this thing organically. Um, the question that I have for you is. You guys clearly are, are able to establish a message and are connecting to people um, in the masses. The question I have is when you are being interviewed by the people on the Today Show, the people on NPR, etc., do you really feel like that message is, is adding value, which you've always, you know, Josh, you've always taught me. Yeah. Is that message bringing value to those individuals, and are they then becoming champions for you guys? The, the people in the media, it kind of depends. You, you all saw the guy who was like, good luck with that. He couldn't even bother to, like, say goodbye to us. I, I don't know if you noticed that. And it was, it was real shitty because it was 5 a.m. in Albuquerque. And, and I'm like, we're out there trying to spread this message. And I can tell you, a, a lot of the time, I'll have some of the most meaningful conversations I have are with some media folks who are like, they get it. Because they're, they're just like everyone else. They just happen to be in, in this, this media position that allows them to have a, a platform. 
but but they also get it but there are other people who, who don't and and that was the big thing for us is we weren't out there trying to convert anyone especially these media people yeah we all want to be liked i want people to like me for sure but it's not the reason that I do this. It's just like happiness isn't the reason I do this. It's to live a more meaningful life. And part of that is contributing beyond myself. And so those media uh, media outlets, they're just a platform to communicate a message. And if, the, if they can also be messengers, it's even better. And I find it, it depends on the outlet. Like there are some NPR stations who have replayed the interviews we've done with them, you know, a dozen times. And, and that's really nice. There are other times we go on and everyone's polite and we move on and hopefully it got out to some people but um i think it really depends on the individual yeah i would regardless whether or not you know the people interviewing us are buying into it or not i'd really appreciate the fact that we have the opportunity to kind of spread this in a public way and that stations are at least open to having us on there because when we first started you know getting these interviews i was really shocked like Wow, like they're going to be like, all right, here's Josh and Ryan, the minimalists, uh, after this commercial break. Like it <laughs> kind of, you know, there's kind of a weird juxtaposition going on there. Um, but, but the fact that they're even willing to have us on there and start this conversation, it, it certainly, uh, yeah, opens the, the people who are interviewing, opens their hearts. And then the callers that we have um, who are getting introduced to this, uh, it's certainly uh, opening their hearts as well. So, yeah, I mean, and we'll continue to do it as much as we can. It's, it's not like we don't have our critics. I, I remember... Uh, the Globe and Mail, which is like Canada's version of the Wall Street Journal, basically. Uh, the Globe and Mail, they, uh, I got an email about this piece, uh, and it was an opinion piece. And, and, and within the first paragraph, it said, well, I just read a book by, by two guys who left their wives and moved into a cabin together after getting rid of all of their stuff. And they just totally didn't get it. And, and I think what I've learned a lot about a lot of, a lot of that criticism, uh, the, especially the criticism that isn't valid, I, I'm happy to take valid criticism. Or I mean, the Chicago Tribune just did a review of the film and it had, it had some criticism in there that, you know, while I don't necessarily agree with it, I think it, was, it, was, it articulated well and I'm, I'm willing to at least consider it. But most, most of the time that we, we judge others, it's just a mirror that reflects the insecurities of the person who's doing the judging. And so if I'm saying, you know, man, that jacket sure looks bad on you, Travis. Really what I'm... <laughs> no, I mean, what I'm really saying is, is, you know, what my personal preferences are and what my own insecurities are. And, and I'm projecting that onto someone else. And, and I think that's, that ends up being what most criticism is. Also, we're, we, we've developed into a culture of outrage. We love to be outraged now at anything. And, uh, you know, I, I just don't pay attention to that anymore. I, I, I don't let that get me down because I feel like we're doing, we're doing something important. And, and if you're going to criticize it, that's fine. I mean, the opposite of that would be us not do anything at all. And that's how we cannot be criticized. And, and so... Yeah, I'm happy that when we do get the platforms to to communicate mes- to communicate a message we really believe in, but um, yeah, I'm not trying to convert anyone there. Thanks for coming out, brother. Appreciate it. I love how he talked about how uh, how from when he remembers you in the corporate world teaching uh, adding value. Yeah, <laughs> like that's one thing that it transferred over from the corporate world. It was 
like we'd be in our meetings and Josh would be like, all right, how are you guys adding value to your customers? And yeah, yeah it's great. How that some of that stuff definitely transfers over. Well, I think that's, that, that's important because, you know, it's not like there was anything inherently wrong with working in the corporate world. It's just where I was no longer aligned with my values and my beliefs, my interests, my desires, the person I wanted to be. And, and so I had to, to let go of that to move on to, to find the person I wanted to be. You know, it's not that I wasn't focused on what was important. I got to a point where I didn't know what was important in my life. And so I had to start asking tougher questions. And for me, it started with the stuff. Do these things add value to my life? And the truth is, some of those things did add immense value to my life. But the vast majority of it, the things I'd worked so hard to accumulate over you know, all of my 20s, most of those things didn't matter at all. And so I stored them away in boxes and bins and had a very organized life. But really, I was just a, a well-organized hoarder. And so, you know, the average American household has 300,000 items in it. 300,000, right? And, and I certainly had that. And I did a good job of hiding it with my boxes and bins and everything else. But, but the truth is that those things got in the way. The pursuit of things got in the way of, of the pursuit of meaning in my life. And, and I had to change that. And so by letting go, I made room for my health. I made room for the people closest to me. I made room for what was meaningful. So before we, we close it out tonight, we will be, we'll be out there afterward. Um, we'll, we'll set up a, we, we just have a hugging line. We also have uh, some books out there. If you do pick one up, we ask that you minimize it afterward. Um, but uh, if you don't have any money with you today or you, you didn't bring your wallet or whatever, don't worry. You can pick up a book on us. We, we definitely want you to have one. But yeah, just let someone else get value from it after you've, uh, you've read it. The, the, the experience is meaningful, not the artifact itself. And we'll be out there. Make sure you grab a hug as well. I want to I say thanks to a few people. First off, Jonathan and his whole team here at the Neon. Like I said, my favorite theater in the country. I just want to say thank you to them. They are awesome. And the man behind the mission, the guy who helps us with everything, he's the producer on our podcast, our road manager, our tour manager. He edits our books. He does pretty much everything behind the scenes. He's the hardest working man in minimalism. Ladies and gentlemen, Sean Harding right here. We could not do this without Sean. He... he it just adds tremendous value to everything w that we do. So we're really grateful for you. Thank you. Uh, I also, we, we, so we're on the road for, for one month this year. We learned our lesson doing the 100 city tour, right? We, uh, we're, we, we're not going to do that again. <laughs> but uh, we donated a year of our lives and learned a lot from that. And so we're on the road for 12 and a half cities uh, this month. And it's really expensive to go out and travel, even though we, we do it as uh, cheaply as possible with Airbnbs and, and, and stuff like that. Um, but we had started that blog six years ago, and we couldn't even spell blog at the time. And we've had, we have a great hosting company, a place called Bluehost, that hosts our site. But we also reached out to them and asked them if they'd be willing to help us financially on the tour. And they said yes. And they, just, they didn't want anything from it, but I just wanted to say thanks to them. So they're helping pay for some of our travels during this tour. And I want to give them a round of applause. Thank you so much.
And if you leave here with one message, we hope it's this. Love people and use things, because the opposite never works. Thanks for your time. Thanks a lot, guys. We'll see you out there. Hey, Josh and Ryan. My name's Kevin. I'm from Orlando, Florida. I uh, just really wanted to leave a tip, more of a tip on top of another tip that I heard on one of your podcasts. I'm a runner, so I like to – I do countless half marathons. I've done one marathon and numerous 5Ks. And at each one of these races, they always give you – most of the time you get a medal, and you also get a T-shirt for that race. So – after doing so many of these races and runs, you know, shirts just pile on the top of the pile of shirts. Um, and as I've taken on this minimalist lifestyle, uh, I took my closet and I counted all my hangers. I had 123 hangers at one point. So now I'm only down to 30 hangers. I take Ten of those hangers, and those are for my everyday clothes. And then the rest I use for my race shirts that I like. And then when I go to another race and I pick up another shirt, that means one of those shirts that is on one of those hangers, if I want to keep this new shirt, has to go. And keeping just those hangers keeps me from buying more shirts or collecting shirts or hanging on to things. And then another tip that I also do is I turn my hanger opposite direction and within 30 days if that hanger hasn't been flipped back around then that shirt's got to go obviously i haven't needed it in the last 30 days so why do i need to keep it hey uh, this is erica armanovich and houston texas i'm new to minimalism and i had an experience yesterday that i thought could bring value to other families i was at lunch with a friend and our two young daughters when two moms walked up with their daughters offering the prizes they won in the crane machine to our kids I know how hard it is to balance minimalism and children, so I found this is a great tool to let the kids have the experience of playing the game without holding on to the stuff that comes with it and giving someone else a chance to enjoy it. So I'll definitely be using this in the future, and I thought it could help others. Hi, Josh and Ryan. It's Connor from Toronto. I'm 17, and I'm out finishing grade 11 right now. So exams are coming up, and my mental clutter is coming to all-time high right now. So... I use something to help me focus on studying and writing that I recently started using, and it's an app called Pomodoro Timer. So that's P-O-M-O-D-O-R-O. It's a really simple timer app, and it's based on a kitchen timer that uses a productivity practice called the Pomodoro Technique. It's a time management method that's used to break down work into intervals, traditionally 25 minutes of concentrated work separated by short five-minute breaks. So after a number of cycles, you reward yourself with a long break that's usually 15 minutes. And on the app, you can adjust the duration of the work sessions and breaks. You can set daily targets, and you can even catalog your progress over time. So I found it that over time, I've been working more productively and getting more out of my study sessions. And I hope you can find value in that too. Thanks. Every little thing you think that you need Every little thing you think that you need Every little thing that's just feeding your greed Oh, I bet that you'd be fine without it 
Every little thing that you gotta have Every little thing that you gotta have You gotta reach for And you gotta grab Oh, I bet that you'll be fine without it So tear your eyes away Or tear 